Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Today, my guest is Matt Smith with Modern Realty. How are you, Matt? Good, Martin. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I'm excited about this one. I'm excited, too, and uh, and happy to be able to connect with your group. So the reason I had you on and the reason I reached out is because a lot of people are looking for that recreational property or hunting, fishing, trapping property because of what has happened um, in the last year with the recent events of COVID and the incline and spike in interest to get outdoors, correct? Sure, absolutely. That is one of the factors that has um, started to drive people to look for their own piece of property, yeah. What do you find as, as a realtor is the biggest draw of people having their own property? Why are why is the market so saturated with buyers right now? Yeah, you know, everybody's situation is a little bit different, but I think that, you know, through our own personal experiences, you're gonna see a lot of people that have competed for spots on state land. Um, and in some areas of our state, we have more accessibility to state land and in some areas we have less. And so that ultimately drives people to have their own piece um, of land that they can kind of do their own thing. And, you know, I don't have a problem hunting on state land at all. You know, as long as you're willing to, to work a little harder, you can do some really good hunting, but you can't alter that terrain at all either. So someone who does like to do habitat work or wants to get into habitat work, um, you can only do that if you have your own property. And then if you have your own property, then you have something that you can share with your friends and family and potentially pass on to future generations as well. Right. When we're looking at potential properties to buy, what would you suggest we do to find, for lack of a better term, the one? Well, the first thing, you know, and this is going to sound cliche because I'm a realtor, but the, the first thing you need to do is you need to find somebody that you're comfortable working with that that knows how to find all those properties. And one of the reasons I say that is because whether it's buying homes or whether it's buying land, Zillow and Realtor.com have been very, very popular because it's easy for us to sit on the couch and scroll through, you know, and look at things out there. However, those websites also can be fairly unpredictable and unreliable as well. And I'm sure that a lot of the people listening to this podcast have found properties that they thought might work for them only to find out that it is already sold and Zillow and Realtor.com don't reflect that. So they don't, they don't work in real time all the time that the way that we do when we have access to the MLS and MLS stands for multiple listing service. So I guess, you know, reaching out to somebody that can help you with that search and find properties that really are available for one and have some resources to find those and, and, and have a conversation with you about what the right property is for you. Right. Well, that leads me to the to the reason that I actually got a hold of you when I reached out to you is because your commercial on the radio actually hit me. You said on your commercial, let's put some boots on and go walk the property. And that, you know, not a lot of realtors in the market are willing to do that. You know what I mean? They like they'll show you the property, but they're not going to they're not going to put boots on and walk the 10 acres or the 20 acres or 
whatever you're looking at and, and go all the way to the back of the property or the, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah, that's uh, that that's very true. And um, it pains me when I see a listing for a piece of property and it's pretty clear that what the person representing that property did was pull up in their car and roll their window down and snap a picture out of the window of their car from the road and really hasn't, you know, dug into that property and done, you know, some research on it. So again, you know, there's different strokes for different folks, right? I'm a, I'm a hunter and and I love habitat work and that's kind of what drew me into, you know, working in on the real estate side of this and and I love residential real estate and working with those clients too, but they're different. And so, you know, you do need to be if you want to do a good job, you do need to be ready to put your boots on and, and, and have the tools and have the access on your phone, cell signal, you know, as long as they're cell signal to be able to show somebody where the property lines are and, and to walk it and, and to really discuss what's there and, and what the what the benefits of that property are. We're going to back up because I always introduce my my guests and ask them how they got started into hunting and and who introduced them so let's let's go that route yeah so uh i started like a lot of kids in in michigan i hunted and fished with my dad uh, mostly fished but i lived i grew up in the country and um just instantly from the time i had a bb gun um as a kid in the in the late 70s i i wanted to I wanted to hunt and then that progressed to a to a 22 um and and squirrel hunting and that progressed to a a 20 gauge and at that time the licensing was a little bit different of course so we couldn't bow hunt until we were 12 and we couldn't rifle hunt until we were 16 but i got a i got a bow um an old bear uh, compound bow when i was 12 and uh, shot my first shot my first deer out of a tree when I was 12 years old and really never looked back. I'm 48 years old now and I, I don't miss, I haven't missed the season other than a, a couple years when I was in the military and I was out of state. However, um, I did figure out ways to hunt where I was at and I was stationed in Colorado and uh, I did some elk and mule deer hunting out there. But other than that, I've never missed a deer season since I was 12 and um, just love it. That's awesome. So uh, one other get to know you question, um, if you could hunt any species world and anywhere in the world, money, no object, where are you hunting and why and what? Wow, that is a tough question. Uh, it's a great question. It's a tough question. I've always respected the white-tailed deer from the standpoint of being one of the most difficult animals to hunt, a mature white-tailed deer. And and I've had the opportunity to hunt white-tails in Kansas and Missouri and Illinois. It, at this point in my life, I've always hunted on public land and uh, and with, with a bow. I've always... Uh, can be tough, but I really have a, a drive and a passion to get back to the mountains and hunt elk also, but I still think if I could only hunt one thing, it would be white-tailed deer. And and part of that is, is just, they are, I, I believe that they're one of the, one of the smartest, the savviest game animals that there is. And, and every time you think you have deer figured out, they prove to you that you don't. And I, and I like that challenge. Yeah, they go and change the rules on you, and that's not fair. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so let's get back to the aspect of looking for, excuse me, looking for property. Somebody reaches out to you, says, hey, Matt, I have a dream. 
This is what I'm looking for. What's the next step? Well, the next step is refining that. And that conversation is me asking some questions like, tell me more about your dream. You know, where is this dream located? How much acreage are we looking at? Are we looking at 10 acres or 40 or 80 or, or 200? And what is our budget? And have you talked to a lender? And, and, and how well do we understand what it's going to take to achieve this financially? So those basic questions are going to start to refine this into something that we can then go out and start finding some properties. Okay, so let's say I come to you I'm looking, I don't, not looking for 200 acres or 500 acres or anything like that. I'm looking at between tenants, um, obviously maybe some swampy areas, you know, things, things for deer hunting, um, are all set and ready to go. We're in the process of ready to buy to next. Next is, you know, at that point, that's where that's where my role, my job kicks in. Um, you know, that's where I'm now going to start doing that search and I'm going to start sending you some properties, um, for us, Gus, and then decide whether we want to go walk them and look at them. So when you're, when you've kind of defined the size and the area and, 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 the, and we've, we've gotten through finance it, or if it's going to be a cash sale, um, then it's on me. It's really on me to, to dig up to dig up those properties that meet your your criteria and uh okay is there different property types that people like like for for example bird hunters are going to look for the you know regrowth in them and stuff like that for their grouse and woodcock and things of that nature um specifics of properties that yeah that most everybody everybody has something a little different right and i think a little a little bit of that go the question you asked if i got started hunting and what my history of hunting was so you know some people and they 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 hunted you know pine forest or cedar swamp or something like that and and that's what they know and people will gravitate naturally towards what and what they're comfortable with um to some extent but really like to help at is what is the diversity of the terrain and what can be changed and can't be changed because there's a lot of things with that development that we can on a piece of property but some of the things we can't change like whether the ground is low or high um, you know delineated wetlands you can't change that you can't do anything about that so we can either decide that we're okay with using that habitat advantage or we need for different and if it's got a mixture of some timber lands then we're going to discuss what we can do to to make those open areas conducive to how you want to hunt it and that might be you know planting norway spruces or white pines it might be um you know planting um, fruit trees and that nature so there's just so many different directions that that can go that's really the that's really the is how we're going to shape this into you know what your vision is and and how it fits the surrounding area which is also just as important as on that you know call it 10 or 20 acres it's just as important all around it and how we use that to our advantage to hold deer um, and and other wildlife uh, as what's a particular piece of property okay so if somebody comes 
and they say, you know, looking can as the client I'm looking at here's the ones that pique my interest. Can we go look how how do you, how do you go for lack of a better term to go look at these these properties? Yeah, sure, that's a great question. So we have in Michigan, we have uh, an, an app or software called Showing Time, and that's used by licensed realtors um, most of the time. Not not everybody uses it, but it's used most of the time. And so these properties, and I pull them up in Showing Time, and then I schedule a time uh, for us to go look at it. Some of them uh, don't require approval; they just to approve but it's more of a giving the seller and the listing agent a heads up that um, you're going to be there at, you know, one o'clock on a Saturday. And some of them to wait that you submit a request and then it goes into the listing agent and the listing agent talks to the seller and the seller says, yep, that's fine. And, and then it comes back to us. And so that's how I line up those showings is by using that, that software, um, so that everybody knows, because the, the, the last thing that sellers want is people just arbitrarily walking around on their property. Now, in a lot of cases, they're not there, they're not around, but you never know, well, especially during hunting season, you never know on any given, you know, Saturday or, or, or late afternoon or something like that, um, the property owner might be there doing some work or something. So you never want to just go unannounced. Um, it, and encouraged to do a drive-by like I do have clients that absolutely say hey Matt let me just let me just do a drive and make sure that the area looks like it is where I want to be and then um, if it, if it first sniff test then yeah let's set up a time to, to dig in there and put our boots on and go go walk the property would tell a prospect looking for property that they need what is it that we as a client need to for you to succeed in this property for us it, it just really th the main thing is is just understanding you know what the cost is going to be and and again going back to that financing piece you know are we are we using a lender or are we you know doing a we got some money earmarked to uh, buy this property and then from there, you know, really just, you know, let me guide the problem and help you uncover what's really important to you. Because what I find is that a lot of people don't very deep as far as, or they think they've thought deep about what it is that they're looking for. But when I start answer, asking some questions, then they, they quit. You know, I didn't think about that. That's a pretty good point. So that I could, could tell you is to to be open-minded and, and, and come into this conversation and be willing to sit down and discuss, um, you know, guide that process. Okay. Work in Midland at Modern Realty, um, but you're, you're licensed throughout the state. So if somebody's looking at, let's say property in the UP, you can go up there or are you going to, Hey, you know, I've got something up there. Why don't you drive up there and you know, they'll show you the property or how does that work? Sure. That's a, that's a question because conventionally speaking, most real that, that do primarily residential real estate work very closely within the area where their office is. 
Um, I do work statewide. Um, handled properties over in Nuego County and all the way up to Ostego County and um, over in Aranac and Gratiot County. I mean, you name it. Um, when it comes to property, uh, that that miles on um, and getting to see every corner of, of, of our state, um, which I love. So getting covers the entire state and 99% of the time, I'm going to be able to fulfill that that for someone. The only, hey, I've got a connection here or there that might work better for you is if if our timing, if our schedules aren't working real well um, on when availability is, um, I don't want to hold somebody up because there's something in the UP they want to look at um, and we need to do that in the next couple days and I'm not available, then I will certainly... Um, and help them find somebody that can help them uh, in a timely manner because right now in a lot of cases time is of the essence um, and you've got to jump on these properties pretty quickly right I know the I know the market is is pretty volatile right now because everybody is wanting it's it's like musical chairs you know <laughs> yep the only time I what I, I guess what is the going rate right now for acreage in let's say Midland County? The questions that I get asked more often than anything else, and I, I love when I get asked that question because it opens up you know some things to think about and the pair of property is dependent on a couple of things. So I'm going to answer this in a couple different ways. One, it depends on how big the property is. So, you know, acreage is kind of a volume, a volume discount kind of thing, if you will. Because if we're looking at a building, uh, a building site that's uh, three to five acres or even three to ten acres, the price per acre for that is going to be very different than if we're looking at twenty to forty acres or if we jump up to 80 to 100 acres or more. So to give you an example, in Mid using Midland County as the example right now, if we're looking at it's got a decent building site on it, the price per acre for that can easily be five to $10,000 an acre. Oh, geez. I mean, we sell we sell 10 acre parcels for $65,000, $75,000 you know, because they have a good building site on them. They have city water and natural gas at the road and, and all of these things, right? Right. But then if you move further away from town and rural, out towards, um, for the people that are familiar with Coleman, you know, 10 acres out there can be $35,000. But that's still, that's still $3,500 an acre, okay? And if we're looking at, 20 acres or 40 acres unless it's very 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 special property we're typically not looking at $3,500 an acre now we're looking at more down in that $2,500 an acre range maybe even $2,000 but the hapsal is a little bit dependent on that too is the ground high and dry is it low and swampy is it developable and is there are there things that we can do with it um area as far as um, is there electric available is there any any gas or water available 
know, different things like that are going to raise and lower the, the, the price per land. So there are more things that go into what an acre of land is going for. But at the end of the day, if we're going to put a number on this, just a very generic number, I would tell you that in most cases, you can buy property at about $1,800 to $2,200 an acre. And that's not too bad. That's not badly priced at all. Yep. I, I know out where I'm at, off of M20, the going rate is about $2,000 an acre. Yep. But it also depends on, you know, how far you have to travel to get to that property. I know there's properties up in the UP that you look at them and they're like eight, nine. Yeah. Honestly, even in the lower peninsula, you can find, you can find stuff like that too. It's going to be really remote. Sometimes it's pretty, pretty swampy. You know, we have a lot of, we have a lot of wet land. Um, and, and, and I, and I separated that because it's not necessarily delineated wetlands, but we have a lot of wet land in Michigan and there are a lot of areas where on the map or on a satellite view you're like oh hey this looks awesome and this 40 acres is really well priced and you go look at it and it's a big old huckleberry marsh um you know and so what what are you going to do with that I mean yeah you could hunt it but you can't you certainly can't put a food plot in you certainly can't necessarily plant any trees or do things like that with it so you know, we would expect at that point that, yeah, we're going to get that that property for, you know, closer to a thousand dollars an acre um, or something like. And and Martin, I would tell you that, especially when you get acre and above range, sometimes we have to break the piece of property down into segments to really put a good market value on it. Because if you've got 40 acres and 20 of it's high and dry and has good timber, but then 20 of it drops down into a wetland and is not really developed property, then I would say, okay, look at this as this 20 acres really is worth 2,000 an acre. This 20 acres is worth $1,000 an acre. So we're going to, we're going to break try to um, really understand what the market value of that is based on the ground that you're standing on. Right. I've been talking with people and we have a we have a mutual friend that you probably didn't know or you may have known Kendall Devise yeah he's been picking your about developing his property uh, yes. now tips that you can give our listeners that you've been giving him um, to turn a property into um, commodity trails you know when i'm working with buyers okay and and working with buyers really helps me understand the mindset of a buyer and then use that information to help people who are thinking about selling to understand what it is that buyers are currently looking at so there's a lot of people that really are looking for that turnkey hunting opportunity and so if you have some some trails cut in, because I mean, some some parcels of property, you know, when you buy them, they don't have a single trail on them. So having some trail in, 
is very desirable. People like that. Can I can I go unload my quad or my side by side and and go drive around the property on these on these trails? Um, that's a sweat type of improvement that you can make on your property. Then you take that a, a step further and you say, okay, have we put in any food sources or do we need to put in any food sources? And the reason I say do we need to is because again when we talked about that you know what is around this property you know we also have to ask ourselves if we have good cover on our property and we're right across the road from a 200 acre bean field you know i don't necessarily need to put in food sources i might want to focus on cover and how do i do that cover well maybe then i plant norway spruces and, and things like that to provide a really good thermal cover base that's going to enhance that property again little bit of sweat equity plant some trees a little bit of little bit of investment buying you know buying those uh those seedlings or whatever range of the size of tree that you buy um timber you know first of all leaving the timber going to provide better resale for some people doing a little bit of of minimal cutting is going to provide better resale because we know that if we cut some understory then increase the use of that piece of property for the wildlife because of the regen on the forest floor. So that that gets a little getting a trail system in there and you know starting to get it set up for somebody so that they don't have to do that work and you can take your sweat equity and turn that into um profitable value. Okay. What is the a little bit more in depth and, and sometimes I'll pull you know a forester into the conversation on that but really the baseline sound bad but what is the most desirable thing that you can do to put into your sweat equity that's going to give you your best rate of return besides like what we talked about talked about um clearing you know just just getting a, a a chainsaw out and, and cutting again it, it from one property to the next right if it's scrubby and there's a lot of undergrowth and it's really hard to i mean i've been on properties that honestly walking from the road to the back of the property line was a pretty arduous process um because it was so thick and so scrubby and whatever and we want some of that for cover but but we also get around the property too so getting a chainsaw out and cutting that stuff out and, and, and hauling it out that's one the, the number one sweat equity thing you can do that doesn't cost you anything but you know the gas for a chainsaw right plus you can take some of that brush that you've cleaned out and and turn it into other um habitat for other creatures you know rabbits and rabbits yeah and you know squirrels things of that nature that's going to improve Im- improve the the wildlife count on your on your property yeah and if it's not you know the, the the opposite to that is if it's not scrubby property but what we call the state park type property where you can see 300 yards straight through you know the woods because the canopy is very uh, you know high and tall and, and and big mature trees then the sweat equity is going to be selectively taking a few of those trees down 
to open up that canopy and that's that that's sweat equity too well now you know you can sell some of that wood or use it yourself cut it up and you know whether you burn wood yourself or like campfires or whatever um but that's going to be another sweat equity thing that's going to make that property desirable because um if you at that time someone who buys that property is going to probably have to do it when they buy it so if you've already done it then it increases the desirability and marketability of that property gotcha what do you find or what can you tell us is that you've seen in your experience is the worst thing a buyer can possibly do um for lack of a better term clear cut the property <laughs> yes um some people all they can see is the dollar signs for timber resale and they just go in and just cut the whole thing down well unfortunately um good for some types of wildlife but the perception and when somebody's looking at this piece of property all they can see is barren land and we all know how long it takes for trees to mature you know, I mean, it takes 50 to 100 years to develop really good, mature, you know, hard and even some some soft um, wood. So I tell people, try to avoid clear cutting, you know, talk to me, talk to a forester, talk to somebody about doing a more of a select cut. Um, so that there's at least some timber still standing on that property because buyers look at it and the first thing they're thinking is never in my lifetime am I going to see a mature tree here and number two never in my life ever going to be any timber value for me or my family here that you also you know everybody's experienced the clear cut on you know so that gives you a stigma to begin with yes you know where where trees are just laying everywhere and there's stumps and there's brush here and there's a, a stump there and everything is just laying and all they did was come in and took the, the good yeah. timber out and that, martin that's another great that's another great point to help people understand is that when you do talk to a timber company about doing a select cut, doing a clear cut, whatever the case may be, you need to you need to communicate with them what your desires are as far as what they're taking and what they're leaving. And some people do want some of that brush left and some of them do want, you know, this or that, but you can also negotiate into that contract having all of that stuff cleared out too. But you have to communicate that. You have to talk about that. And I think that people, if they don't know that that's part of the process and part of what they can negotiate, then they don't know to ask that. And you know what a timber company is going to do? They're going to take the good stuff and leave everything else because that's the easy that's the easy way for them. So I want to encourage people that as you're talking to different timber companies about cutting wood for you, include that in your conversation. Um, they get kind of intimidated about negotiating things and some things they don't even think about, especially when you're talking about property and that's your, your cleanup, you know, who's, who's going to clean this up and make it look good. 
Yeah. And you know, that goes back to different, different strokes for different folks, right? Some people just want top, top value and, and top dollar for their board foot. And they're willing to do the sweat equity of the cleanup themselves. And that's completely okay. What I want people to, to understand is that you do have options there. And so you need to make it the decision that's right for you, whether you want to do cleanup, you know, and get more dollar per board foot. Um, but also Take people looking for a realtor do. I know when I was first looking for a house to buy with my ex-wife, we went and looked at a house and we used the tours that were, um, and in hindsight, that was the worst thing I could have done because they weren't part of the question when you're looking at a couple different timber companies and asking them so that you make sure that you get top value for your timber is what is included in that price. And it, it can be different and, and sometimes very different from one company to the next. And yes, that can be intimidating. Um, it, it's a realm that a lot of people aren't familiar with. And so again, that's where I just encourage people to reach out to somebody that 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 knows this landscape and knows you know how how this all goes down and, and ask for that help, whether it's a whether it's a forester uh, or whether it's a realtor that has some experience in that and, and just get somebody in your corner to, to help represent you weren't negotiating for me they were negotiating for the fella i would say that that you've got to find somebody who you're comfortable with that you believe is going to represent your best interest and i represent buyers and sellers in in sales quite often and that really comes down to what their morals and ethics are and i'll give you an example in, in this market of multiple offers, quite often I'm representing a buyer and a seller, um, but there's also multiple offers. And if you are executing your job in the way that our fiduciary responsibility is dictated under our licensing, through in some cases um, and, and, and not as much in others. And it really, at the end of the day, very ethically represent both sides um, and, and, um, it doesn't happen all the time but I do it quite often um, and and both sides at ease that I'm going to represent you as if I was not representing the seller and the chips are going to fall where the, where the chips are going to fall and, and maybe that means that this is the right house for us and maybe it's not but at the end of the day right. just doing some research on the person, whether it's the listing agent or not, just doing some research and, and just asking around and maybe even calling that agent and asking them some questions. Like if it's a land, if you're looking for buy land and, you know, five of your friends say, Hey, you should use so-and-so they did a really good job for us. Call that person up and ask them how much, how, you know, how many land sales they've done in the last year. If they say two, then they probably a good job for your friend and helping them buy a house, but they might not know that much about land. Honestly, it's a lot like finding a doctor or an attorney or anything else too. I think a conversation with somebody 
really you you get that feel of is this a person that I feel comfortable with or did I walk away from that conversation and go hey you know I don't I don't know I don't know if this is the if this is the right fit for me and and just listen to that gut instinct and and find somebody that that you trust and and that you uh, are confident will do a good job for you well nine times out of ten your gut feeling is pretty right I mean you know animals have their instincts and and we have our instincts and if your gut is telling you "Eh, I'm not too sure about this then they're probably not too sure (laughs) 100% I 100% agree um or farthest that you sold in the state of Michigan? New in over in the Nuevo County area, um, over there. That was a couple couple hours away, and then uh, uh, up in up in Gaylord. So I guess you know two hours north, two hours west, which is about as far as you can go in the lower UP from the Midland County area. Um, uh, probably the two farthest that I've done now. I've looked at some land with people in the UP. We didn't we didn't decide to pull the trigger on that, but um, Gaylord to Gaylord to Nuevo County, Muskegon area. Uh, I was um, I was kind of bummed. I was th- I was hoping you were going to say like all the way to the other end of UP, Minnesota, <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, Martin. It was what's funny about that is. Um, you know, when you when you when you travel to, to do this stuff a little bit, uh, depending on the season, you try to work in some other things while you're doing that. I love the UP, and, and I've got some 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 uh, trout fishing spots in the UP that are pretty pretty special to me. And so, you know, when somebody says, "Hey, can we go to can we go up and look at this property?" and it happens to be like you know uh, April or May or something like that, I'm thinking, okay, and I'm going to take an extra day and get some get some trout fishing in while I while I'm there you feel like you don't want to be overly excited but you're like yes yes we can yeah yeah (laughs) for sure for sure um a little bit and if somebody wants to get into realty how do they become a realtor themselves not that hard um I mean anybody can go on and look up you can google you know state of michigan licensed realtor exam um or course and and you have to take a 40-hour course minimum minimum 40 hours before you can write the test um through the state of michigan uh for most people doing it online it's going to take more than 40 hours um you know because i mean most of us don't have eight hours a day for for five days in a row to sit and do a course um i go through the course you know doing a couple hours here a couple hours there um and then and then wrote the test so that's that's really the only requirement is that you is that you pass the course and then take the the test down in lansing um and and pass the test and that gets you your your realtor's license that gets you your realtor's license and and martin i'll be the first one to tell you I went through the course and I passed the test and I sat there in the parking lot with this piece of paper that said I was a licensed realtor and I realized I don't even know anything about how to do this job. Um, <laughs> really, I'm serious. It, it, it gives you it gives you the right to do it, 
and know what the laws are and the terminology and you know the definitions and all of these things but you really have got to connect with somebody that can mentor you in in the process in building relationships and networking um you know and and prospecting and marketing um you know there's all these other there's all these other things that that are factors to your success now i was self-employed my wife and i owned a gym in midland called smitty's iron works for 15 years here so here's so you so you remember uh you remember smitty's i do yes yep so uh so that 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 gave me obviously a really good base and a really good network and, and a really good understanding of communication and developing relationships and things like that but some people don't don't come from that background um, if you're coming from a nine to five punch a time clock job you know or whatever um, it, you know all of a sudden now you're like ready set go what do I do why do I don't know I mean because clients don't just fall out of the sky um, somebody calls you and says hey my, my my friend referred me to you and and that's fantastic but um a, a broker that you're comfortable with that you align with in your in your goals and and you know just like we talked about you finding a realtor that you're comfortable with a, a realtor needs to find a broker that they feel comfortable with because you have to be you, you have to quote unquote hang your license under a broker for at least three years before you can write the broker's exam and potentially go out on your own. So a big part of it too. And for me, modern realty was, um, I, I talked to quite a few brokers and there was no doubt that Logan Ricchetti at modern realty was, was going to be the home for me. Um, we, our energy aligned and I knew that they were heading in the direction that I wanted to head. So we were, we were off and running. See, that's interesting because I did not know that. And I'm sure our listeners didn't know that you have to be under somebody before you can even be out on your own. I thought if you wanted to just get your license and then you want to go out on your own, you just start a, start a business and and go, but that, that didn't work a little bit. Yep, three years. You've got to be you've you've got to work as a licensed real estate agent or real estate salesperson. They will the state of Michigan will call it uh, for three eligible to write your broker's uh, your your broker's license test and be completely on your own. What's up with this? But where can people find you? If different ways uh, of course by by phone or by text is 989-948-3738 of uh did two home inspections for me and my wife because we were in the process of buying a, a house with 10 acres and that deal fell through so we ended up buying the house that we're in now with the five acres and he, he did both of the inspections for us. That's great. I, uh, I, I, I love Matt to death. I love, uh, I, I love the, the, the process that he goes through with, with homeowners and really educating them on the home. And, and uh, Matt and I have been good friends for a long time. So 
you'll uh, yep. you'll see you'll continue to see more of those videos come out with Matt, and that'll help people kind of on the home buying side. And um, Hunter Fodor and I are are just getting ready to record a new series of uh, Forestry Friday videos. So those will uh, Matt because his name is Matt, and my name's Matt. That's Monday with the Mats. Those videos come out on Mondays, and then Forestry Fridays, of course, those come out on Fridays. So. Hopefully, delivering uh, good good content to people that, uh, that that they enjoy. Yeah, Matt. Definitely, um, the reason we went with him again was because of the way he was thorough with us on the first one. He walked us through. You know, this is going to need this, and you might want to take a look at this. And like the first thing he looks at when he walks in the house is the door jam, which I would have never thought to even. His door's been kicked in once, and I was like, "How do you, how do you know that?" Like, <laughs> I was just, and like I said, we went with him twice because how thorough he was with us on the first one. Boils down to a lot of what we've talked about today, Martin, and it, and it's that you know you can only be an expert on so many things, and if I need to talk to somebody about something that I don't do every day for a living um, I, I, I don't is Matt M-A-T-T at modern realty dot U-S and a lot of people put the dot com in there and that's actually dot U-S and then honestly one of the easiest ways to find me is Matt Smith Outdoors Realtor on Facebook Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, those are kind of the three social media platforms that uh, that I use. But um, a lot of people do come to me through Matt Smith Outdoors, Realtor. Um, there's also, um, I do a lot of video. Um, I do a lot of video stuff on my Facebook page and, and record a lot of videos with home inspectors and, and uh, Hunter Fodor, um, who, who lives over in Coleman. He's a, uh, a forester. We do a video series called uh, Forestry Fridays, um, which is really cool. So if you jump over to my my Facebook page um, and like that page, you can check out all those videos. And they're nice little three-minute to five-minute videos on different aspects of forestry and, um, and, and how forestry affects what you're trying to accomplish for um, wildlife goals and things like that. So a lot of really, really good content there. Well, I, I know one of the videos that I watched on your on your Facebook page was with uh, Matt Weckeser. Necessarily figured out myself. I look for somebody that can help me, and that's really the important thing: is surrounding yourself with people that that you trust, that that know what it is, and, and can help you get to to where you want to be quicker and easier. And like I said, you know, realtor, forester, home inspector. I mean, those are. Those are your go. Those are your go-to people that that they've got your back and and they're going to help you understand, you know how to how to achieve your goals. Definitely. I thank you for your time and and the insight as to how we go about finding 